0: hi everyone welcome back to the tales of an african princess in america podcast my name is oz we talked about a really interesting topic. I invited Dr. Ruthie Arumala to talk about why Black women experience maternal deaths at three to four times that of non-Hispanic white women. Dr. Ruthie was gracious enough to share some of the reasons. Here's a preview to the last episode on the podcast. First off, is it true that women of color are three to four times more likely to experience uh, a pregnancy-related death? Than a, than a white woman. Is that true?
1: The short answer is yes. Okay. It is 100% accurate. You get so appalled as to the number of disorders for which Blacks lead. We dominate. I mean, if, if we were giving out money for who has the worst conditions in, in the United States, Black people will be rich. Yeah. Well-educated Black women have <laughs> worse birth outcomes than un educated white women
0: what should we as women of color do differently to ensure that we're getting the best care that we can
1: you need to become an active participant in your health care you need to learn more so the best place to get information
2: mm-hmm.
1: is on the american college of obstetrician and Gynecologists patient page okay so acog a-C-O-G, just Google that. It's going to take you to the website. Next, make sure you pick a practitioner that is not based on frills and things like that. Pick a practitioner that, one, is qualified, mm-hmm. and two, has your best interests at heart. You can see that this person wants the best for you. You can see that the same way you pick a hairdresser, girl, you don't go in there and just look for any old person with a curling iron mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you really do your due diligence in picking the right person let me ask you a question mm-hmm. does it help if you get a woman
0: of color as your that's what
1: i was gonna say oh, so sorry. i think getting a woman of color has its benefits and that's one of the reasons why i went to ob gyns because i wanted i give care to every single person who either is a woman or used to be a woman. You know, I give health care with no bias, with love, with pure joy in my heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that doesn't mean that everybody's like that. and doesn't mean that every black woman is for you. Right. So does it help? Sure. Because this person presumably knows what you're going through. Mm-hmm. But also you have to also trust your gut. If you're not feeling her, you're not feeling her, sis. Mm. You're just not.
2: Mm.
1: And men... OBGYNs. I'm so sorry to say this but men OBGYNs may be the best OBGYNs that I have come in contact with they're usually really 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 gentle Hmm. they're usually really 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 thorough and they're usually really really good surgeons wow well don't discount a male
2: okay okay
1: that's because Mm -hmm. no don't discount them don't discount a male now I should probably not say this but I love midwives. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) I love midwives. I don't see them as competition. Mm -hmm. I see them as compadres, like colleagues. Mm -hmm. Because I think that a midwife is a really, really good resource and really, really good provider if you have a normal vaginal delivery midwives are really skilled at what they do you could work with a midwife and in, if you become high risk you can move to an ob-gyn i think that that's how the practice of OBGYN is going to go they're certified nurse midwives those are the people to go to
2: okay
1: somebody that just all of a sudden starts delivering people out of their basement not cool okay I do have my, you know, my things about home deliveries,
2: Mm -hmm. but,
1: you know, the American College of Obstitution and Gynecologists has parameters for them for home deliveries, so that's different. I would say, you know, if it was me, I want to be monitored. That's all I can
2: say.
0: Welcome back to the concluding episode with Dr. Ruthie Arumala. On this episode, we'll talk about the role of doulas. We'll also talk about uh, midwives in pregnancy and the very controversial abortion bill. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back.
1: How about people that go
0: with doulas? I don't know what doulas are. No, so
1: right. let's talk about a doula. Um, <laughs> well, let's,
2: well, let's I've go. heard a whole lot about it yeah, like,
0: girls who are going natural these days and they're talking all about how you know it's all about there's a lot of anti-hospital movements these days a lot of people are talking about how you know getting an epidural is horrible for your baby how the best way to have a baby is on water you know all these theories are springing up and i've seen the move for doulas on the rise so what are they what do they do are they certified to do the things that they do and um is that a good idea
1: so this is a really loaded question. So let, let me answer your doula question. And I'm going to talk about the, um, the movements, the different okay. movements, mm-hmm. and my, my opinion and facts, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So doulas are people who advocate for, they're basically like your pregnancy coaches. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a doula would agree with that, but that is how I see what they do. Mm-hmm. They are there to hold your hand. They're there to, you know, breathe with you. They're there to ensure that while you're going through the pregnancy birthing process that your obgyn doesn't do shady practices okay okay so for me a doula is an is an advocate for me because i'm not doing the same thing a doula is doing i'm not there holding your hand through every breathing and stuff mm-hmm. and it's good to have someone there doing that however there there's actually a lot of animosity from providers to doulas and this is why a lot of doulas aren't actually well educated on what they do not all of them but a lot of them aren't Mm -hmm. are not right because doula i had a friend who went through her doula certification and took her two days to get certified
2: wow
1: and imagine somebody getting certified in two days and then someone like me who went to four years of medical school four years of residency and i've delivered thousands of babies mm-hmm. you have somebody who's saying the exact opposite of what you're saying let me give you an example The hmm. ones who told a patient after a bag of water broke that she should not come to the hospital the woman waited three days wow to the hospital and had was it had an infection choreo right and the doula was still arguing with me when i went to induce her when the patient had a was had a fever already hmm had foul odor from her vagina she had a florid infection and the doula was still arguing with me and i told the doula to get out of the room that's the only time i've ever been hostile to a doula and i wasn't hostile at the end of the day my patient's life and the baby's life depended on me being stern
2: Mm.
1: most of the time is not like that however a lot of the times doulas will tell you when they don't know what they don't know the answer or they'll look up whatever Mm. before they do that so they they have a really good place in medicine just be careful just like you're picking a good educated you're paying a lot of money for doulas a lot of money and there are some doulas who are so adamant about their birth plan for you Mm -hmm. like I've had patients tell me that their doulas and these are not my patients these are just uh, patients that have come to me for different things Mm -hmm. and they told me you know their doulas left them because they needed a c-section and you've paid all the money and they're like, nope, we're not, I'm not going to be here and have you harmed the baby. And there's a lot of fear tactics that are used.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: not fair on a patient. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, like I said again, and I don't want this shit to be taken out of context, but dudes have a good, they do have a good solid role. Mm-hmm. There are sometimes where they become a hindrance. So now... With that being said, in the same time, we have to talk about birth plans. Okay. There are lots of birth plans out there that you can download, and it's, it's a good starting point. Here's how I think birth plans can be helpful. Birth plans can be helpful when you go to a, your pr- provider mm-hmm. prior to getting, prior to labor. Discuss these with your provider. There are lots of things that I will never do. For instance, I will always give oxytocin after delivery
2: Okay.
1: because I know how the uterus works and I know the fact that the the oxytocin will prevent you from bleeding out
2: Mm.
1: from postpartum hemorrhage. You might not think so, but I know so. Mm. I know how this medication works. Mm. I know how the body works with naive from the medication. So I know I've, I've witnessed people almost lose their lives from postpartum hemorrhage. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to put you through that. And that, it's okay not to choose me as your provider if you don't, because that's how I strong, how strongly I believe in using that medication. But there's other things that, you know, you want me to hold up the baby after the baby is delivered, sure. You don't want your husband to see your, your birth canal. That's also mm-hmm. fine.
2: Mm-hmm. Things like
1: that, those, I mean, that doesn't medically bother me one way or the other. Mm-hmm. That's your preference. But there are things that are medically sound and things that are not medically sound. And there are lots of, it's the internet. Anybody can put anything on the internet,
2: right? right. You have
1: to be—it's unregulated, uh, so you have to be open with your doctor to sort of, you know, framing it for you.
2: Mm.
1: So that's that's my answer when it comes to that. Is you know, doulas can have have their place, birth plans have their place, but I also kind of think about birth plans this way. Two ways I think about it. The first way is: Have you ever had a, a breakup with a guy, and you say to yourself? I'm not gonna scream. I'm not gonna yell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give him any leeway. He walks in the room and you're like, "What the hell?" No, no, no. <laughs> You can't even hold yourself. Right. That's the way birth plans work. You have a great plan.
2: Mm-hmm. When
1: labor happens, labor is not organized.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not orderly. If it's orderly, you're you're. It, that's an anomaly. So you have this great plan, but be willing to be flexible and to deviate from the plan.
2: Okay. Because
1: that's labor. It's the same way as like going to war. You can have your art of war ready, and you go <laughs> to war, and everything, you know.
0: Yeah, everything changes. The
1: so. missile blows. You know, like things happen. So that's mm-hmm. how, how, that's how labor is. The other thing is we need to stop, stop this uh, culture of shaming people,
2: mm.
1: shaming people because they're not woman enough to deal with the birth pain so they got an epidural. Shaming people, women because they needed a C-section. Yes. Shaming women because they needed a vacuum or forceps. Mm-hmm. I have had women who have cried. they cried so disproportionate from what I was telling them. And I wonder, and then after they're back and after everything is done, they say to me, the reason why is because I have been talking on my Facebook page for the last
2: oh, nine and a
1: half months mm-hmm. about how I was never going to get an epidural. And now I have to go face everyone.
2: Mm.
1: things like that you know we put ourselves under undue pressure undue pressure yes yes yes
0: so much to talk about under this issue like it's so complicated like the things that actually affect women's health and you're saying that you can uncomplicate that process by getting a little bit more information for yourself, choosing the right practitioners, and um, just staying on top of it all. Like you have your birth plan, but then go over it with your doctor. At the end of the day, do what's best for you and the baby. Stop the clutch. Yeah. Shaming. And, and, and that's, that's one that we all need to really think about because even when we think that, oh, I'm not shaming people, you know, there are certain times that certain things were happening. You, you question your own views and your own uh, perception of different things. You know, growing up, I I heard a lot of people, you know, I grew up in Nigeria and I'll hear a lot of women talk about when you give birth, they'll ask, oh, how did you have the baby? You know? And I, I was always wondering like, why would they ask that? Like the baby is born. Like, why is that important? And um, when you say through C-section, like people look at you like, what happened? You weren't strong enough. You know, stuff like that. And these days I find that when people give birth too, I ask that question, but I'm not asking from a place of, I ask because that's that's the next thing to say, you know? But now I'm becoming more aware of it. Like, okay, no, what you should do is to celebrate with them. It's not important how they had the baby, you know? Because my intentions might be good, but it's if it's not perceived in a good way, then it, that's wrong you know and so i think it's really important that we talk about these things because these are delicate issues that we really need to talk about
1: it's uh-huh. really crazy before i went into this profession i didn't know this is a thing mm. and i used to like it always baffled me right if an adult male was getting a circumcision mm-hmm. ask him did he get numbing or not no if a guy had a kidney stone passing we wouldn't ask him if he took Tylenol, if he took Dilaudid, mm. if he t- like We would just be like, oh, he needs to be comfortable. If a man had a toothache, if a woman had a toothache, if, do, you, do, do people know what birth pain is like?
2: Mm.
1: I want an epidural every single month when I have my period. Take it away. Jesus, mm-hmm. take it all away. I'll give my uterus up for a doctor <laughs> right now.
0: I was going to say that there are times when my husband is like, take something for the pain. And I'm just like, ah, no, I'll just wait, you know, wait it out. And one day he was like, why do you always try to see how much pain you can take? And I realized that what I was doing is that I've heard so much about girls who have period pain and how they take medication. I just didn't want to be that girl, you know, like I, because it's such a negative stereotype. It's like, oh, I take pain. I take, uh, pain meds for my period, I feel like it's just the way that I've heard about it. It feels like it's a weak thing to do. And it's, I know this is so wrong, but it's just, I just want to see how much pain my body can take. You know what I mean? Like before I give into the meds, a lot of times I end up harming myself because I'm not comfortable, but it's just that mindset of, um, my body should be able to take this much pain, you know, and I'm not advocating for pills or anything like that. It's just the mindset behind it. It's
2: I am it's not weak. <laughs>
0: not weak to take pills for your pain it's not it's just if you need it you know if it's going to take the pain away i would i I would say take it you know don't be like me who is just trying to power through everything something like that so i feel like it's a delicate balance but if you're doing it because you just want to be seen as strong but there's no metal for it you guys it's
2: no metal
1: I tell my patients all the time, I'm like, especially the ones who, you know, maybe they're like one centimeter dilated. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You need to be 10 centimeters dilated and between one mm-hmm. centimeter, and centimeter can be days. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're one centimeter dilated and they're really, really in pain. And they're telling me they're going to go natural. Mm-hmm. I say, my dear, I don't want to discourage you, but you're going to wish you listened earlier because what ends up happening is they go through pain. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're seven centimeters dilated, get the epidural and it's like the sky opens and God shines on them and they, <laughs> they've, they've suffered this long period of time for no reason.
2: Mm-hmm. You don't get
1: a medal at the end. That's no one gives you a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, we're, we just need to be kinder to ourselves as women. Yes. Be kind to yourself. This whole animosity comes from women, I would say. It's
0: usually from—I would say it's just from women, but it's usually from women. It's like women out are, are there saying, "How did you have your baby? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? When it's a boy, ah, everybody's excited. When it's a girl, it's like, hmm. Oh, yo, are you gonna try again for a boy? This is like stuff that I would hear in Nigeria. I don't know about here, but we need to be kinder to each other. I definitely agree with you on that one. Okay. So let's talk about a little bit. I'm just gonna ask you your opinion about the new abortion bill that just passed in georgia right yes and it
1: probably alabama and georgia passed
0: oh in alabama and georgia oh wow and so once the heartbeat is heard or felt or how do you do you guys hear it or feel it once it's heard you know Mm -hmm. you can no longer get an abortion and i think there's no exception for or there's exceptions for rape incest and medical emergencies
1: it depends on which state you're talking about
2: okay the
1: specifics of the law Mm -hmm. unless you're in those states really doesn't matter when it comes to my opinion
2: okay
1: and okay. this is my opinion and my opinion there is part of it there is my opinion and one part of it is my college of uh, um american college of obstetrician and gynecologist um position on this issue okay. the first thing is that i have to say that i came from a very conservative background in which abortion and gay rights were what you were preached on the pulpit mm. and were Preached on the people don't believe this, but there are lots of pulpits in this country that are used for political rhetoric. Mm. Okay, and on these pulpits, we were taught to vote according to these two issues, or else we we're going to hell, right? I mean, literally, right? right? And so, I grew up in a very conservative background, and I used to learn a lot. I'm very fascinated with politicians. I used to do my own research and learn a lot about politicians. And, you know, my my views have changed over time. I went from um, not being able to vote, obviously, because I was less than 18. But then, you know, not voting at all because I was scared that I was going to make the wrong choices. A lot of the other platforms didn't make sense to me because to me it was like, you want a separation of church and state, but you want to ignore two issues and have a unification of church and state. Hmm. That doesn't really sound good to me. The thing that we always learn in church is that you have to move by faith, faith, not by sight. Right. Mm -hmm. I did like reconcile these two things in my mind. And as I progressed and I got older and I'm now where I am, I realized that I don't even vote pro-life or pro-choice. Mm-hmm. I vote pro-women. Mm. So I, that's how I see my life. It's, it's not about pro-life or pro-choice. It's about allowing somebody to do what they need to do with their bodies and not making the rules that legislate someone else's body.
2: Mm. If you
1: know that abortion is a sin, then abortion is a sin. You don't do it. You, you yourself shouldn't do get an abortion, Right. Mm-hmm. That's your choice to make. But you shouldn't tell somebody, I think it's a sin, so you shouldn't do it. Mm, I see what you're How doing. is that possible mm-hmm. for you to legislate your someone else? So that's how I feel about that. You know, we have a family planning rotation. Oh. we Spend five weeks doing family planning. And family planning is a little bit more than just abortions. Yes, abortions have performed. Mm-hmm. But also, like, that's where we learned a lot about birth control. That's mm-hmm. where we learned about, a lot about, like, the issues that were had When I was in residency, we still did Eshore. Uh, we learned a lot about tubal ligations and stuff like that. So that's where, where we learned a lot about that. So when I was a resident, I actually did the opt-out program. My program was gracious enough to allow us to opt-out in whatever forms we wanted.
2: Mm-hmm. So there
1: are people that they... Opted out completely, they didn't want to be associated at all Mm -hmm. with any abortions, and I didn't think that was necessary. My level of opting out is I did everything for each patient until the actual extraction. Okay. So I learned how to take care of those patients that were getting abortions because I thought it was necessary for me to know how to take care of every type of patient, every situation, so that I actually learned how to do them. Because guess what? At the end of the day, someone has a a miscarriage and we call a miscarriage in medical terms, abortion. There are different kinds. And we actually call that abortion too. Either way that like, there's a, there's an expelling of the fetus from the Mm -hmm.
2: womb
1: or uterus. So that's, you know, you have to know how to do those too, because I'm going to have patients that have miscarriages and the or have an infant that has already died in the uterus and is not completely expelled and not, or not expelled at all. We have to go in there and am I going to refer every one of those out? doesn't make any
2: sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: through that process, I learned a lot about people who think about abortion from a moral perspective. Mm. This is the consensus. All abortions are wrong except for mine. Because you'll have women that have uh, coming in for an abortion. And I had a particular woman who looked me in my eyes and I can't she was giving me dirty looks the whole time.
2: Mm. But
1: when I switched with my provider, started giving my provider back dirty looks. So after a while, my provider said, Are you okay, ma'am? And she said, You people are going to hell. Oh wow. And like, uh-huh. And she's like, How can you do this all day? You are the reason why there's so much promiscuity in this country. You guys are the reason why this is someone getting an abortion. But in her mind, she was married with five children. Mm-hmm. and she didn't want to have a sixth child because she couldn't afford it. So mm-hmm. hell was justified. But mm-hmm. all of the, you know, 14-year-old girls that were in there getting abortion, those
2: are people going to hell.
0: And, you know, I used to think it was a lot of unmarried girls, single girls who go grow- no. to a lot of abortions happen with married women who don't want another child, basically. They can't afford it, yeah. Okay. So your view on abortion is, you, you do what's
1: it best. It should not be legislated.
0: It should not be legislated, okay, okay.
1: Because guess what? Mm. Let, me, let me tell you why it shouldn't be legislated. Another, another thing, another event in my life
2: mm-hmm.
1: was in my, in my time in Botswana, I spent nine months in Botswana, I spent a year doing my research project. Mm-hmm. In the nine months that, I knew four people that died from illegal abortions. Nine months, four women. Mm. One of them was my hairdresser.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow.
1: So the reason why is because abortions are illegal in Botswana. So they would do mm. illegal abortions with coat hangers and, things, and mm-hmm. have uterine perforations that these women will bleed out and die. And they don't want to go to the doctor because they know or to the hospital because they know that they did something illegal.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So making abortion illegal will not reduce the number of abortions. It will not legislate people's morality. That's where you want to go with that. It's going to increase the deaths of people that cannot afford to go to another state, which now compounds our issue. If we say that people who have less means are going to find a legal way to do perform abortions you should not be legislating morality if you want a separation of church and state right right and that, and that's
0: exactly what i feel with the whole gay rights and everything i feel like yes you think it's wrong that's fine but you should allow people the choice because that's the one fundamental thing that we all have or we should have is choice right if you think that it's wrong, that's fine for you, but give people the chance to make the, make a choice.
1: By the way, there's no such thing as a partial birth abortion. I don't mm-hmm. understand this. Like mm-hmm. how this rhetoric, like there's, it's not a thing. Mm. It's like the wording allows you to have some emotional tie to it, right? Mm-hmm. If I tell you there's a partial birth abortion. Did you give birth to the baby? Right. You like gave birth to the baby halfway and the doctor yanked it out and killed the baby. I don't get that. That's just weird. That's why they use that rhetoric, that term. That is a a term that evangelicals put out there. Mm. No such thing? You don't, we don't deliver a baby halfway and then kill the baby. That just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Mm. But because they use that term,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it allows you to have some kind of, I don't know how to put it, but um, emotional tie to it because that's exactly what you imagine
0: Mm. let's let's move from the issue of abortions let's move to um your podcast and i know you have a podcast you have a practice and then you also have a podcast and these are things that you do because you're a women's health advocate uh let's talk about your practice first i know that you are super young and i don't know if it's common practice amongst doctors to have their own practice at you know, right after school. And so that's why I feel like this is a big achievement. Is that something that's common practice?
1: So it's not common practice and it's very risky. Mm. Um, but let me tell you what opened up the avenue. So I'm mm-hmm. partnered with a, with a group called um, Texas Medical Associates. Mm-hmm. What they do is they partner with a practitioner and create a practice Mm -hmm. where you run it as your own solo practice. You are owned by Texas Medical Associates, but you are a partner with them. So you profit share with them. And so you're basically getting to run a practice with lower liability than Mm -hmm. if I went to a bank and borrowed the money to start my own practice. Okay. So with that being said, I do have some parameters where I can't like you know, do every single thing I want to do, but there's a lot of leeway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it also, every single person that's hired in Texas Medical Associates that does OBGYN in my area, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: except for one, came right out of residency and did it. And I think that the reason why you could do it right out of of residency is because you have the most energy you're ever gonna have. And also for me, I'm not married and I don't have children yet. So to me, it became my baby. So my practice is opening next week. We start taking patients next week. It's been a long process getting here. It is something that I I felt was doable for me because of the limited liability that I have. And I wanted a place where I was like, go, go, go. Like, you know, I wanted to be able to hold a press conference. Go and speak at the, you know, at the, at the House of Representatives. Go back and deliver a baby. Go, like I want to be woken up in the middle of the night. I wanted that. I searched for that. So that's why I chose the type of position that I did. And so this is an amazing time to go into medicine because there are so many ways for you to marry your ambitions in terms of family life, lifestyle and um, your profession people are taking that more into consideration than ever and there are different personalities that are catered to in by choosing a different profession and choosing a way and a style to pr- practice that profession
0: yeah so congratulations on your practice and um what, what's it called
1: so it is um texas medical associates mm-hmm. um uh, dr ruth romola okay associate. Okay. Cool.
0: Cool. And then your podcast. Tell us a little bit about the podcast.
1: So my podcast is the Pretty in Pink podcast. It's a podcast that is designed for the modern woman. And we discuss everything from health and social issues. Uh, We talk sometimes about things that are peripheral to um, your health, such as relationships, because As much as we think that relationships are peripheral to our health, they can actually be central, right? Mm -hmm. So we talk about all sorts of things. It's more like the Modern Woman's Guide to Health and Social Issues.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And where can we find you? Email if people want to listen to your podcast.
1: So my podcast um, is on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. It is a Pretty in Pink podcast, Pretty in Pink podcast you can just search for it and it's there
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i am found, searchable on instagram at i.am.dr.arumala so that is i am dr arumala mm-hmm. and under that usually on my link there's also a link to the podcast i have my my email also there And I really encourage people who want to um, go into medicine and you want, you have specific questions for me. That's a good place to email me from. Uh, If you just have questions that you want to get answered on the podcast, you can send me a direct message on Mm -hmm. Instagram.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this issue of, health disparities amongst um, women and healthcare. Thank you for talking about your view on the abortion bill. Thank you for telling us a little bit about your podcast. And I love the amount of information that I come up with every time I listen to you. And I'm so happy that you're doing this because I don't know any other podcast that does it. So you're, you're really unique in that way. So thank you so much, really, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you. And I will leave a link to your um, Instagram page so that my podcast listeners can find you on instagram and you guys if you have any suggestions if you have any comments about this episode i know we've talked about some really controversial things on this episode today if you feel like you've heard something that you've heard for the first time or you would like to contribute something to this episode go ahead and send in a voice message and that way we can play it on our next episode thank you guys for listening and have a wonderful day Bye-bye.
2: Bye, Rudy. bye bye bye
0: Know that about one in every three people in the United States listen to at least one podcast every month? That's millions of people listening. And do you also know that every month, thousands of podcast listeners listen to the Tales of an African Princess in America podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, or event that you would love others to hear about? Then look no further. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talesbydoctorosie at gmail.com today. Or you can visit our website at in in America.com.